Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Ray Zhao. Ray Zhao co-founded Affinity, a relationship intelligence CRM platform with a friend and Stanford classmate. As CEO, Ray has led this fast-growing startup to raise $120 million and to serve more than 1,800 customers and 200-plus staff. Ray Zhao, the CEO of Affinity, believes every opportunity begins with a relationship and knows that business networks become unwieldy and harder to leverage as they grow larger. In response, he co-founded Affinity, whose eponymous CRM captures and organizes data exhaust from emails and calendars and combines it with other data sets to provide the relationship intelligence needed by decision makers in venture capital, investment banking, private equity, and consulting, industries where relationship building is foundational to deal making. A native of the San Francisco Bay Area, Ray met Affinity's co-founder, Subham Gohl, at Stanford, where they were studying computer science. Their goal is to bring relationship intelligence to the world at large. Well, good afternoon, Ray. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to, great to be here, Brian. Absolutely. This is exciting. You've got some exciting things to talk about tonight. And I just love, like I said, getting to meet a new person online is great, but, but to actually hear their story and share it out with the world is just one of my biggest things I love to do. It's my passion. So Ray, let's jump right into the questions here. Ray, as a CEO and co-founder of the relationship management platform Affinity, what's it like building a company with a friend? And maybe how has that relationship helped Affinity become the best workplace? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. Um, so I think um, maybe starting with a little bit of context, I, I co-founded Affinity, uh, getting I think roughly seven years ago with a close friend from from college. Actually, the crazy thing was we had been, I think, beyond just uh, you know being close friends, we built a lot of things when we were studying computer science at Stanford. Uh, which is where we originally met, uh, opposite sides of the world. I, I'm, I'm pretty much a California Bay Area lifey. I've grown up here for most of my, pretty much my entire life. And uh, he is from India, actually, international student. And it was total serendipity in terms of how we got to know each other. Um, but, and we've actually, you know, we have been roommates for a very, very long time since then, uh, well into, you know, our years building affinity. It actually took uh, until the pandemic uh, for us to not be living together anymore. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think I think I think to be very honest, when we got started, uh, we had no idea what you know how it would pan out, right? Like, and I think I've advised a lot of like other sort of founders. You know, we wouldn't be where we are as a company without the help of amazing advisors and coaches and mentors. And I've talked to a lot of founders after that. You know, trying to pass on some learnings and everything. And especially in the early days when you're trying to build an initial company, find product market fit, it's all about like the co-founder relationship. It's such a major source of whether the company succeeds or not. I think I, you know, it's, if it's not like the top reason, it's one of the top reasons why companies uh, don't work out. To be very frank, when I started building, you know, Affinity with Shuvi, uh, I don't think we could have even anticipated in many ways how compatible we were um, with each other. Uh, there's a lot in the dynamic, you know? Um, I think when I got to know him originally, the reason why we became really good friends in the first place was because of an alignment of core values. and. That's really important in terms of co-founding relationships is at the very core level, you know, are the values aligned, right? Like for both of us, at least, you know, we cared about a lot of the same things, you know, even from coming from very different walks of life, um, you know, a similar value for, you know, uh, you know, really caring personally, you know, both taking pride in the work that we do and caring about that as well as for each other, you know, and being, being there for each other in the hardest times. Um, we cared a lot about, you know, figuring out what's true. And so I think that's one of the things that really jived early on, which is, you know, uh, 
no egos in the room, right? It's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about, it's all about finding out what's fundamentally true about the world, whether it's what the market is telling us or what's the best way to, you know, orchestrate a go-to-market strategy or build the product would be. And so we saw every sort of disagreement as a sort of fundamental sort of collaborative exploration of what is true about the world. Um, and so it was these like more sort of intrinsic sort of values, I would say, that we shared, which brought us together and made us friends in the first place beyond having built a lot of things together. Um, that made the relationship work out really well, you know, and I think like, you know, having heard many other stories of other founders and challenges that, you know, kind of that co-founder relationship can bring, I think it's one of the things that's worked out way better than either of us could have really expected. And speaking of the question of like, you know, how has it helped, you know, Pinity become, you know, a recognized workplace? You know, I wouldn't say necessarily that our, our goal from the beginning was to, you know, build a, you know, win a certain X number of awards or build a, a best workplace. But in many ways, I do think the culture of the company was really defined by that like early team and kind of starting from that co-founder relationship. So a lot of the, the core values they just talked about, you know, like to care personally, to, you know, build a, you know, a, a, an environment and a culture where people really care about their work, right? And it really matters. And where there's a relentless pursuit of like, what is true? Are we thinking rigorously? It's not about who's right or who's wrong. We're trying to build this idea meritocracy where the best ideas win. I think those things like definitely still exist in the company today. And it's actually probably what, you know, we talk about at Affinity about how people and culture are the most important thing to us. And um, I think everything that we've achieved together as a team, you know, has kind of flowed downstream from those values. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of philosophy in terms of how some of those cultural elements, you know, where they originated, where they came from. But uh, I think it started with that relationship and we were lucky it went well. Uh, definitely there are cases where it doesn't, but it started with this alignment of values. That's kind of working. That's awesome. And I think, uh, well, it's not that I think I've, I've worked enough in enough companies, Fortune 500 to know that the culture uh, starts uh, at the top and that's the most important thing in the company. And I'm glad that you were able to establish that the foundation at the beginning makes a huge difference. So thank you for sharing. And Ray, in your recently released report, the Relationship Intelligence Bench Benchmark Report, Unicorn Edition, Affinity found that top venture capital firms tap into their relationships to catch more unicorns. Can you explain why this is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, maybe the, the first, there's just a very quick primer to, you know, on Affinity, you know, itself is, you know, we build a leading relationship intelligence CRM and uh, it is the... Uh, you know, CRM relationship management platform of choice for pretty much the entire universe of, of private capital, you know, venture capital investors, private equity investors, uh, corporate teams, accelerators, incubators, sort of this entire landscape of asset managers that are powered by the platform. And I think what we've realized, you know, is that this is, you know, already true, but it just only became exacerbated, you know, with the pandemic, but relationships really are essential, you know, when it comes to getting deals done. And there's no environment where that's more true than in sort of the, the race to find and, and fund the next unicorn as an investor, right? And, and because of, in particular, the venture capital sector's extensive use of affinity, one of the things that we got to do is we got to take this, you know, more behind the scenes look of what does it take to power those deals? And so essentially what we realized was if you just look at the raw numbers, the metrics, the stats, so the network size of the top VC firms, like what are the, the, the firms out there that, that invested in the most unicorns, you know, over the last five years, they averaged an, an, an average collective network size of 88,700 contacts per firm. So that's, you know, roughly or almost 2,300 contacts per person, it's 22% more than the average across all VC firms. So that's kind of an example in terms of 
at least from an average perspective, you know, like there's this correlation between the size of the network and uh, how much time and energy you invest into it. And, you know, the probability or at least the outcome of uh, investing in, in a unicorn company. Um, other interesting kind of metrics that we've, we've learned as a part of that report that we shared, um, you know, those top firms, they also make an average of over uh, 2,500 introductions annually, which is, which is, which is pretty crazy. Um, maybe even more crazy, top VCs send more than 90,000 emails and have over 18,000 meetings per year. And this is all while tracking on average 6,000 deals each month. Um, so these are massive numbers, right? I mean, it's like, it is basically, you know, uh, great investors, they are living and breathing in, you know, an email calendar, especially in this like very digital sort of, you know, pandemic world that we're living in right now. Um, and, and, and what we found was per user, the top VC firms, they manage 26 deals per month. That's compared to an average of 24 across all VC firms. Uh, they meet with people uh, outside their firm 69 times per month compared to 42 on average across all VC firms. And they sent an average of 454 emails per month compared to 175 across uh, the, uh, the rest of the VC landscape. And so it's just intentionality, basically, you know, like relationships obviously are one of the, we think they're really sort of the, the core asset, the most valuable thing that every firm owns. That's where, that's the root source of opportunity for really all deal making, but in particular, you know, like getting connected to incredible companies that, you know, especially unicorn companies. So it's, it's not a surprise to us at all, at least, you know, over the years that you've seen such strong correlations between how much time, you know, how much intentionality the best investors put into, you know, really growing and maintaining um, their network, thinking about relationships as this really fundamentally valuable thing that they have to invest in um, and uh, the outcomes that they drive. That's amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that report. Um, and I had no idea there was that much work behind all this that makes things happen, but that uh, certainly makes sense. So, Ray, from this report, it's obvious that relationship intelligence is critical. How does Infinity's technology enable relationship intelligence? Yeah. So I think it helps us maybe start just by defining, you know, what relationship intelligence is. It's not, you know, a, a, a super novel concept, but it's it's basically the idea that um, the root source of, uh, you know, every firm's, every organization's relationship data um, doesn't live inside any of the traditional sort of static systems that you think of, like, you know, a, a static spreadsheet or a static contact book or static CRM or, you know, a static professional network like LinkedIn, where every sort of point of data has to be entered by hand, you know, manually. Uh, what we realized, and this is a concept of relationship intelligence, is actually the real source of truth about relationship data lives inside all of these sort of digital footprints, all this data exhaust, as we call it, that's spewed out by you know, tools and systems that people are already using. So every email, every sort of meeting, every digital interaction, you know, uh, we're doing a call right now, right? There's sort of this footprint that gets built of each relationship. And that's where Affinity comes in. So our technology, our relationship intelligence platform, what it does is it captures all of these points of data exhaust automatically. We structure them and leverage them to develop all these deeper and more meaningful insights about relationships to help our users close more deals, build more meaningful networks, manage sort of their, you know, their, their networks and their relationships and their pipelines a lot more automatically. Um, and so, you know, we pride ourselves with being able to offer our customers a, a constantly improving product. We've leveraged that data in many ways to uh, build an incredible platform. A couple of examples, uh, last year, we, we recently launched uh, the Affinity Analytics sort of platform. And recently as a part of that, Affinity Analytics Alerts, which basically helps automate and streamline updates on KPIs to help, you know, improve goal tracking for, for, for deals. Another thing that we've done is there's a lot of magic and you know incredible insights you can build on top of sort of this raw data. And so we recently released 
affinity data organizations, uh, you know, to our, to our broader customer base. You know, these data sets basically help our customers identify and qualify potential deals a lot more quickly, gain deeper insights into the people and organizations they're evaluating, understand sort of the performance momentum of potential investments, and it's all doable from within sort of affinity CRM. And so we're really kind of continuously investing in the next quantum leaps, you know, in terms of what you can do with relationship intelligence. Um, but it solves a lot of problems. You know, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's our passion as a company, and we think it's going to enable the next, you know, major leap for, you know, a lot of industries that are driven by relationships in terms of what they can do with the data they already have access to, but they don't realize they, you know, they, they own. Thank you, Ray. And I appreciate uh, your CRM being, uh, in, in my words, uh, a very unique type of CRM that actually focuses on that relationship. So thank you. And Ray, last question here. Can you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow their career in technology or entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, man, so many things. Uh, I feel like we made uh, <laughs> uh, so many mistakes along the way as, you know, as we built Affinity and they were just really humbling moments. Um, maybe for folks that are interested in, you know, diving into uh, the, the realm of entrepreneurship or starting a company. Um, and I think this is a really useful framework, both in terms of, you know, how to personally approach your growth um, as a founder, as well as what to look for um, in, in, in the people that you're hiring, especially in the early days. Um, there's this really great quote that uh, my, my advisor um, at Stanford from the computer science department used to always say, you know, he did these like stories where before the weekend, he'd share a, um, you know, a, a learning or thought for the weekend. And, and one of them was a little bit of slope makes up for a lot of white intercept. It's kind of coming from, you know, the, uh, this, uh, um, you know, kind of a, a math analogy where the idea is that you think of like a, you know, a linear equation, right? Like the slope is how fast, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the y-axis is changing as a function of x, right? Um, the y-intercept is where are you starting? Um, on one hand, we think about sort of that early team. It's very tempting very often to just bring in people who have a really high y-intercept, may not have a super high slope. And what you really want is the opposite. You want to have people where you know, even if they haven't done the thing, you know, like to build the exact same product in the exact same markets or industries, they need to have sort of that hunger to learn, to like really jump in, um, to not be afraid about trying out new things. And, you know, the open-mindedness, the player mindset, you know, the, the growth mindset to really quickly adapt. Because that's what a company is. If you think about what you're doing as a company, you're fundamentally building something that's new, right? That, that the world presumably hasn't seen before. Um, and so in a very similar way, like if you are doing something that's new, there's going to be situations that arise that are fundamentally new. And so it takes that like very adaptive mindset. And I think that's the same sort of approach that you have to take as a founder as well, right? Which is sometimes like, you know, founders, you know, the folks that are considering building a company, they'll, they'll come to me and say, well, you know, like, uh, I, I'm not sure if I want to start this business yet. Maybe I should, you know, go work in a whatever product management job or an engineering management job at a bigger company for X number of years so I can build up the the, you know, the, uh, the skill sets that I need or, and, and what have you see, see these things through. Um, the truth is like, you're not going to be able to anticipate everything and do a plan for everything. Like what's more important than like building up and accruing like the biggest binary stuff before you kind of take the leap of faith and start a company is really thinking about like on the more intrinsic level, like one level below that, like how, how, how excited are you? How daunted are you, you know, by learning new things, right? You know, if there's a problem that you haven't solved before, uh, does that kind of, push you away? Um, or is it something you kind of lean into to say like, you know, every other problem in the world, everything in the world that humanity has built is really people that are not that much different from me. And, uh, you know, just like anyone else, I can be smart enough to go try to figure it out, you know, and, and, and apply my intuition and, uh, and see where it takes me. So I think that's a, that, that would probably be like my, 
my biggest learning. I think the takeaway is both, you know, for folks that are, you know, interested in getting started, like this is probably the right way to think about your own growth. Um, you don't have to have all the answers from day one. And it's also probably a good way to think about the early team that you build, because like we talked about earlier, that ends up having such a massive sort of ripple downstream impact on the culture of the company you're going to end up creating in the grander scheme of things. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you've got such a, like I said, a, a very, uh, your, your head squarely sitting on your shoulders. You've got a lot of things going for you right now at, at your point in your career and early in your career. So I appreciate everything you shared this evening. And Ray, last thing, I just want to let you know, it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, uh, it's great to be on and uh, enjoyed it. Bye for now. Bye.